Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company, all right? We're a movement of everyday folks like you and me who are letting beauty break through the noise so it can transform our culture from the inside out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so pumped you're here. What's up, everybody? Today is probably one of my favorite episodes in Love Good Podcast history. I mean, in some ways that could be said every single week and it always feels true. But today I'm sitting down with a new friend. His name is Ryan Stevenson. He is a a total standard in the world of Christian music, right? He was discovered by Toby Mac about seven, eight years ago, signed to Goatee Records. He's been doing arena tours ever since. The guy is a freaking rock star. There's no two ways to say it. What I didn't know going into today's conversation was how deep of a soul he was. I mean, I honestly felt like I was on a 30 minute retreat with this guy. And this conversation, it takes so many different, beautiful turns and twists along the way. And I I just didn't see it coming because right now, most of us are probably not feeling at peace. You know, most of us are are aware that our, our lives feel like a whirlwind of chaos, or at the very least, the world feels like a real storm is brewing politically, culturally, you know, even within the church, like it's just a confusing time. And what I loved about today's conversation with Ryan is he just reminds us that actually the eye of the storm is exactly where we want to be, right there, maybe even surrounded by all the chaos and all the noise, and yet a source of real peace and real stability and real joy for people around us, and specifically through our relationship with God, right? To, to keep our soul, as he put it, aligned with God, with God's love, with God's will. And in so doing, we become a part of that eye of the storm and a real source of renewal in a culture that is really crying out. So epic conversation today with Ryan Stevenson. I'll be back with him in just a moment. Ryan Stevenson, welcome to the Love Good Podcast. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Can we just have a moment? Because you're wearing a DC Talk hat. And yeah. I, I only noticed it like 15 seconds ago. And we've been, you know, now talking for like three or four minutes, five minutes maybe. That's funny because this is normally the first thing that people see. I didn't look up. I was, yeah. you know, making the eye contact. I didn't. Sometimes think. I kind of wear it up like this, but today <laughs> I'm, I'm a little more... Uh, Serious. So I, I don't know if this was a good decision or if it was a bit of, mis- of a mistake, but I went to the drive-in theater tour with the Three Amigos a few weeks ago. Oh, Michael yeah. W. How Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Mac Powell. It was great. But I overheard from a friend of mine who was sort of involved in some of the production there that DC Talk had been planning a reunion tour mm-hmm. that sort of has, at least for now, been postponed. Do you know anything about this? I mean, I've I've heard whisperings. Whisper. But- <laughs> 
<laughs> probably like everybody's heard whispering. <laughs> yeah, I, I I had heard that they were going to do something, but you know, obviously with with the current state right now, people yeah. are kind of putting a hold on a lot of different things. It's a crazy time. I think the word for me is detachment, like learning how to mm. not hold on to anything, but maybe God's love. Mm. That's like the one thing I can really depend on right now. Yep. How are you coping? How's your family? How are, you know, just the creative community around you? How are you dealing with these times? You know, kind of like you, I guess over the last few weeks, honestly, the Lord has just been doing a tremendous work in my heart in in my quiet personal space where I, you know, I tend to worry. I tend to get a little anxious. I'm like, I'm a paradox man because I can be so far one side and so far the other. And I feel like I can either operate in a lot of fear or I can operate in a lot of just bold, brazen fearlessness. And I don't know, this last season has really aligned me and aligned my heart in a way that I can't necessarily explain other than I know that I know that God is truly in our midst and is steering this ship. Mm. And this this grace has just come upon me into my home and in my family where we are just trusting that God is I mean, he is who he says he is. And, and you know, the greatest commandment in the Bible mentioned more times than anything in the word of God is do not fear, mm. do not be afraid. And I failed to recognize that many times. And over the last three weeks, the more that I dig into the scriptures and, and just press into that secret place with Holy Spirit, I just keep hearing that over and over again. Don't be afraid. Mm. Stop fearing. Like I've... I've got this and I've got you and I've got the world. I'm not up in heaven panicking right now because I think that there we're not going to get this figured out. But I feel like if I could bring all that in to a nutshell, there are people are waking up. Yeah. People are waking up right now. Christians, brothers and sisters, people who are coming into an agreement with who they are in Christ and they're waking up. And, and fear is beginning to just fall off people, even though we're fed fear every day, all day long. If you turn on the TV, you're going to get fear. But if you get actually out with people, I just got home from being on the road for three weeks. Mm. I went out and did a, what's called the Backyard Summer Concert Series. Yeah, nice. And I went and played at people's homes for 50 to 75 people. <laughs> and state regulated, of course, guidelines, you know, we followed all the rules. Exactly where you thought yeah, your career was going, Exactly, right? I mean, you know, this was it. Off the tour bus, <laughs> out of the arena, into a minivan, and on a, and on a back porch. But it's it was probably one of the most beautiful times that I've had, one of the most healthy times that I've had. And I've seen very quickly that we are all just people. Mm. And people are starving. Like, that's the most feedback that we've gotten was like, thank you for coming out. Thank you for bringing hope. Thank you for bringing light and truth and encouragement because... If we are left to just looking at the TV all day, we're going to be bombarded with fear. And there's oh, yeah. so much good. There's so much good right now. I, I want to just tell people that, you know, just briefly, we can fall into the trap that our world's in trouble. Mm. But I feel like we need to fall into an alignment with our world is being revived. Mm. There's revival happening 
you know, in the Middle East right now, I just heard this statistic the other day that half a million people are coming to Christ every month in the Middle East. Wow. That's not something that we're hearing about, but that's that's the truth. And I the Lord is is calling his people to him in a mm. way that our generation probably hasn't seen in a long time. And I'm wow. honestly you asked me how we're doing and I'm 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 great. We're doing good. We're healthy. We're digging into the word of God. We're we're just getting close as a family and my community. Like, you know, everybody's going through it, but I'm just I'm sensing the Lord in a way that I never have. It's amazing. I mean, hearing you talk about this backyard summer tour, it's a little bit like COVID-19 is the world's DMV. It's equalized all of us, mm. right? It's brought us back to the essentials, the things that really do matter, yeah. family, faith, a sense of belonging. Mm. And yes, I think all of us are feeling a bit desperate every time we open up our news apps and social media because there is just this constant fear mongering. It doesn't help that we're in an election year, does it? You know, no. we, pro- just... we probably won't hear about COVID-19 <laughs> after November. So I'll just I know. put... <laughs> I'll put that out there. I know. I'm feeling that too, man. I'm feeling that. So, Ryan, there's been so many amazing moments. Obviously, for about seven years now, you've been Mm. making music in a big way. And I know your relationship, more with Toby Mac than than DC Talk, is a big part of that. I, I first saw... Toby on his solo tour as DC Talk was breaking up and they were all going off to do their own things. You remember like the Michael Tate couple of solo records and Kevin Max. And of course now they're doing even bigger and better things. But but Toby is one of the few people who just basically had two careers. Mm -hmm. Incredibly successful and, and mostly independent of each other careers. Sure. I'm assuming he's one of your friends, heroes, mentors. What is it like being a part of Goatee Records, this community of, of singer-songwriters? And frankly, that's part of sort of living in Nashville, period, is you're, you're a part of something that's much bigger than just you writing songs in a basement somewhere and then hooking up with a producer. There's a real sense of family, especially amongst Christians here in the music industry. What's mm-hmm. that like for you? Goodness, it's... Well, if you know where I come from, it's... You know, I come from a, a tiny farming town of 250 people. And so I grew up, kind of the way I grew up doesn't match up to where we are now. And all that to say is, it's, I just know who I am and I know where I come from. And I know what I'm capable of and it's not this. I just try to write the songs. The rest of it, I have very little to do with. Being a part of Goatee, you know, if you know anything about Goatee Records, I mean, we're an independent record company. There's four or five people that work there. We're not a major conglomerate. There's not a lot of moving parts. It's just a ragtag team of renegades of just dudes, like people, guys and girls that just go after it and are are wonderful. When I got signed to Goatee, you know, I grew up, you know, in early high school, I heard this band called Out of Eden and Grits and oh, yeah. Johnny Cupid, Sonic Flood, Jen Knapp. <laughs> I think and we're the uh, same generation. Right, just of course. And I just, I remember as a youngster coming up, learning, like when I first started learning how to play guitar when I was 18 and in hearing some of these bands, I was like, man, I would love to, wouldn't it be like a dream come true to someday be on Goatee Records? Like anything in the world, that would that would be so amazing. That was a dream. It was. That's so cool. Truly. I remember all, from my graduation present from high school, I was given a guitar and then we had like this little party in a backyard and there was like a DJ dude <laughs> spinning some records and he was spinning this Out of Eden record. And I just remember, I'll never forget it. 
And I just always knew, like, I want to be on Goatee Records someday. And here we are. I, I couldn't have made it happen. I couldn't have weaseled my way in there. It just, it just did. And being a part of Toby's world, you know, I grew up on DC Talk, obviously. And I was really inspired by their music as, you know, an eighth grader. So I'm in, in the eighth grade my first time at a big music festival. Fast forward 20 some odd years, you know, getting connected with Toby has been a miracle, honestly. You know, he's he is a mentor figure in my life. He's become one of my dearest friends now. We've been walking together for almost eight years. It just it just doesn't all make a ton of practical sense to be kind of this, you know, poor kid from Southern Oregon coming out of a trailer house into being in an arena tour with Toby for yeah. the last eight years and, and walking beside him and goatee records. It's like if you look if you stand back and look at that and you look at this whole big picture and you realize the components and the pieces and the journey and we could i mean a whole another podcast would just be about that journey itself mm. and it's been it's been a crazy unconventional roller coaster ride of a lot of moving parts and ups and downs and failures and heartache and <laughs> a lot of hopeless moments but to stand back and look at the big picture I see nothing but God's fingerprints in his hand. And it's obvious to me that the Lord has been orchestrating the details of my life with exquisite degrees of scrutiny. Mm. I could never have made it happen. It's beautiful. And and I guess now at 41 years old, I'm I'm coming into a place, dude, where I'm just taking my I'm 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 relinquishing my grip of control for the first time ever I think and I'm just saying God you're so good how how have I not trusted you with the details but you're so good and you're so kind and you're so generous and you're so merciful I just I'm I'm you you take it you steer it and I'm I'm just along for the ride whatever you want to do whatever that looks like Let's go. So cool. I love some of these words you keep using. Uh, alignment, for example, mm. and this this posture of surrender, recognizing that, holy smokes, I've got to let go of these reins, that love really is in the details, that divine providence is unfolding even in the most minute details mm-hmm. or exquisite details, as you said, of our lives. I think that's something that really gets missed. I mean, even for those who are faithful church-going Christians. Somehow along the way, I don't know if it's sort of the, the American culture that we've probably all grown up in, if it's just a sense of rugged individualism or, or mm. self-reliance, but I need to hear it constantly that God really is sovereign, that mm. He really does have a plan. And that's not just sort of on this global scale, salvation history, it's also deeply intimate and personal and affects my life here, yeah. now, today. Really beautiful stuff. I'm curious, you've obviously just put out a book. Is this your first book? Yeah. Okay, now the creative process leading into an album is already sort of fantastic enough. And for most of us, probably pretty hard to imagine. The detail of every song that's written, every collaboration along the way, musicians, producers, labels, even if they are independent publishers, there's just a lot that goes into it. But book writing is a whole nother thing. <laughs> Tell me about that. What inspired, first of all, the, the idea? Because we all know it takes a long time to write a book. But clearly, it must have been stirring in your heart for a while, too. You know, I, I wish I could agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard. 
but I don't think it's hard in the way that most people think it is. And for me, I didn't want to write a book. I didn't set out to write a book. In fact, I was adamantly against it. <laughs> um, and it took me 12 days. To write. Yeah. Oh, come on. 60,000 words. I, I'm not on my high horse saying that. I just, <laughs> I'm just saying when, when I started just, I was like, okay, I'm not going to write a book. I'm just going to write down my story. I'm going to go back and just write out the journey and what that looks like Man. and the pieces of it. It was like somebody turned on a hose that I couldn't turn off. Wow. So for 12, 13 hours a day, I was just, and I, what helped was I was on a tour. And so I was in a, in a van every day, all day and backstage at a venue every day, all day. So for hours and hours and hours, I had nothing to do but kill time. That's amazing. And so when that cork got popped, it was like this flood that I couldn't shut off. And I knew I needed to stay in the flow mm. because if I turned it off, I didn't know if I would get back in it. So Man. I just kept going and going and going. And after 12, 14 days, I had 21 chapters and 60,000 words. And I, I looked back and I was like, my goodness, this is, this is just my story. I can't believe it all came together like this. And the second that it was over, it was done. Wow. I couldn't do one more thing. It was like a supernatural thing that happened to me. I'm, and I'm, I'll attest to it forever. I, I probably couldn't do it again right now. Um, <laughs> what do the next 12 to 14 days of your life look like? Uh, <laughs> sleep, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> Coming off the three-week tour, I hope so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing that's hard about it is fear. Mm. Because when you get vulnerable and you start, you start talking about your personal life, you know, that can be a scary place because you never know how anybody's going to react to your personal story. <laughs> you don't know what people are going to think of your struggles or the ugly parts of your life or the dirty parts of your life that might, that might rub people the wrong way. It might make people uncomfortable. And, and I just, I, I heard this quote years ago and I just keep standing by it. Vulnerability creates more trust, not less. Mm. And I've seen that the times I've been changed the most in my life is when I've heard the vulnerability of others. I've heard confession from others. I've heard the the messed up parts of people's story. And those are the things that changed me. Mm. And so I've, I just felt like the Lord gave me a special grace to get that out and to share it. And I'm just, I'm going with it. So cool. Vulnerability begets vulnerability, trust, confidence. I think that's so true of human relationships. It's obviously true of our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I actually would love to just hear a little bit more about even obviously the, the song that exploded on radio, number one for 14 consecutive weeks, obviously the book by the same title. The very image I think is so apropos. It's so appropriate for these times. Most of us can recognize that yeah, there's a little bit of a storm always raging, maybe in our own hearts, certainly mm. in the world around us, within our families, within our work, within you know just the communities that define our lives or that surround our lives. And yet, for the soul truly rooted, especially in the love of God, a trust in His providence, a willingness to be vulnerable and not afraid, particularly of mercy and love, mm. He becomes, or our soul even becomes, like this eye of the storm. And people sense in us, like I'm sensing in you big time right now, holy smokes, this guy's aligned. Hmm. He's aligned with the Lord. 
and his will at this particular moment in history when, at least based on my social media feed, there's not a lot of alignment out there. Mm. So this uh, image of the eye of the storm, I think is obviously like really, really powerful, really, really timely. Tell us a little bit more about it from your perspective. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I think that one thing that I've learned is that it's the last line in my book too. It says, he is the eye of the storm. Mm. We are always going to be in a storm. There's never going to be, there. May, we'll have seasons of rest, but the nature of humanity is there's tension. Mm. We're always going to be living in some kind of attention. Some, the, the, there, there's probably going to always, we might as well just wake up to the fact that in our world, being a person, we're going to have to live in attention. We're going to have to live in some form of a tense storm that is brewing on some level. But I feel like it's it's our responsibility to, rather than paying attention to the swirling chaos that's mm. around us, we can find it. You can go looking for it and you can find it right now. You can look, you can find the chaos. You can find things swirling around you all the time that are going to give you anxiety, that are going to give you worry, that give you fear, stress. But when you come to grips with the fact that God is who he says he is, that he is the calm, he is our peace, he is our hope, he is our strength, all those things, he is our rest, he is our comfort, he's our healer. Those are, the, those are the calm things when we stay centered and we refuse to give our allegiance and we refuse to give our focus and our energy to all the garbage and unrest and the chaos and the, and the things flying all around us. We, we realize that I don't ever want to leave this calm place. And I feel like we need sometimes we think that we need to get away from the storm when in fact i am the older that i get the more i believe this is that sometimes the storm comes for such a unique and ordained purpose which is to swirl us up into a higher dimension of the purposes god has for our life to let the storm have its purpose in our life and that is this to to swirl us up into a new dimension with him yeah and that's what the storms have done in my life. Mm. My, the storms of my life, then there's been some brutal ones. They have all taken me deeper and higher into a new place of understanding of, of Abba's heart. Mm. And I, I hope that we can all recognize the storms of our life as places where he's right there with us. Mm. The promises of God, we'd stop reaching for what he didn't promise and start. And what, what he actually did promise is that he will never leave us or forsake us. Yeah. Man, it's amazing. You know, you just used the phrase Abba's heart. I haven't actually heard that out loud in like years, mm. which is a bit shocking to me because it's often how I'm addressing God in my, my interior, like my deep interior. Yeah. <laughs> Where does that come from? I mean, obviously straight out of the, the word of God, but in your own life, at what point did you really know God as Abba? It's a whole nother level of intimacy, a whole nother level of trust and vulnerability for that matter. It's a deep question for a podcast. I no, think you can handle it. <laughs> that's great. I'm glad you asked that because I want everybody, I want everybody to, to say Abba. 
Mm. He's a dad. Like it took me 40 years to become a kid again. Mm. I have strived. I have compared. Mm. I've lived with tr- profound degrees of insecurity and anxiety. And I, I know, I, I can't believe we're having this conversation right now, but at the last three weeks of my life, honestly, you're getting me pretty fresh. Like the Lord has profoundly encountered me with his presence over the last three weeks. And I'm just coming to know him in such a, you know, I've grown up in the church, but I've, I feel like over the last months, I'm, I'm experiencing the goodness and kindness of a dad, mm. of Abba, not just this cast iron celestial being or an abusive father out in the cosmos who's got a scowl of disappointment, mm. who had to send Jesus to deal with my mess. <laughs> That's not who he is. Jesus said, if, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. His disciples said, how long, show us the father. And he said, how long have you been with me? How long have we been here together? If you've seen me, you've seen him. They're the same. That the word in John 1, in the beginning, the word was God. The word was with God. That is the Greek word. That is the Hebrew word pros. They were face to face. And if you understand Jesus and you, you understand that he is God, that should, that should eliminate all of our fear mm-hmm. right there. And mm-hmm. we should really begin to see him as Abba, as daddy and I mean, I, I could just go on and on because it's it's like a fire in my heart right now. But it's his kindness that leads us into all repentance. And when when you realize that all of his, you know, we think of God as being a judge, but when you understand that he's good and he's kind and he's love, his judgments are not the the hellfire and brimstone and the fury, but his kindness. His judgments are aimed at anything that in, interferes with love. His his judgments come after the things in me. They don't come after me. Hmm. They come after the things in me that keep me from being healthy and whole and yeah. pure. And that is the heart of a dad. Hmm. I have two sons. I have three kids. And there's not one single thing that I wouldn't do. I would lay down my life right this second for my kids if I see my kids sick, if I see them hurt, if I see them sad, if I see them getting into stuff that I know is going to be painful or hurtful to them, I'm not coming after my kids. I'm coming after those things. And that's the heart of a daddy. And, and I'm just, I'm coming to know him. He's coming after the things in my life as we speak that not coming after me, but coming after areas of compromise, areas of just, Places where I haven't been completely tuned in. Lies that I've believed. Places of my life that I have agreed with the voice of the... With, I've agreed with the voice of the accuser mm. about who I am. Mm. And any good father, any dad would know what that father's heart is. And and so I guess hopefully that kind of answers that for so you. answers it ryan and this is a thread that i've heard in you from the moment we began this conversation that god is is worthy of our trust he's faithful to his promises that he will do what he says mm. he'll do right yeah and to think that that is the the heart of a loving father who as you put it goes in and, and actually uproots 
even in the midst of swirling chaos, he uproots everything that is compromising our receptivity to his love, mm-hmm. our willingness to receive and be transformed by that love. Really beautiful stuff, man. I, I really don't want to land this plane. What I would love to do before we have to <laughs> land the plane is hear about this tour. Obviously, for three weeks, it was more than just live shows in people's backyards. The Lord did a, a mighty work in your heart, and it sounds like in the hearts of many people who have probably felt very isolated, mm. perhaps a bit more anxious than they're used to feeling in these times where there's not a whole lot to hang on to. There's even on a societal level, a lot of, I think, growing mistrust of, of institutions, you know, and and yet what an opportunity to anchor ourselves in divine providence mm-hmm. in the love of the Father, of Abba Father. How did that happen? In what ways did that happen over these last few weeks? Well, you know, this year going into, <laughs> going into this year, 2020, I really thought that this was going to be my year. <laughs> like, this, is get, this is it, man. Here I go. I'm taking off. Longest list of resolutions right. probably in I, your life. I, right? had it, I had my list. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to see clearly this year. This is going to be the year of alignment. And I'm going to, some, all these things are going to happen this year. And we're, I'm set up and, and here we go. And it was like, this year just fell apart quick. Mm. And I began, you know, for the first month, I began to, I was just bent out of shape. I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like, this isn't the way this was supposed to go. And I really have sensed the voice of the Lord say, I am giving you perfect vision. I'm Amen. answering your prayer. I'm answering the cry of your heart. I'm answering the cry of your heart has been, God, I want to see you. I want to know who I am. I want to be healed. And how how do you see clearly if you don't have all the crap stripped away from you? How do you see clearly if you don't have the distractions removed? Arena tours can be distracting. Singing in front of millions of people is distracting. Mm. It's amazing and it's beautiful. And I want to be an, a, a steward of every single amazing opportunity that I'm given. But I've been distracted. And we are a very distracted culture. Mm. And I believe with my whole heart that God is waking up the distracted ones. He's waking up his church. He's waking up his kids. He's calling people into their pre-designed intention for their life, into their destiny. He's, he's canceling lies. And I wanted to just say this to everybody. We, as sons and daughters of the King, as the Bible calls us co-heirs with Christ, as, as raised with Christ in his resurrection. We're not, you know, an early church reformer said we are snow-covered dung. <laughs> what is that? That is not what the Bible says about us. Jesus didn't just cover us with snow and, and purity. He made us joint co-heirs with himself. <laughs> we were raised, Galatians 2.20, we were raised, we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In this life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Like we could talk that all day. And that stuff fires me up because we have to come into an agreement with who we are as his beloved. Everything starts with the revelation that we are beloved, rooted and established in beloved identity. Stewarding a flame of intimacy and devotion is what our world needs. Our world needs people who are in darkness. You don't even need to tell them they're in darkness. Mm. 
they know. Mm. They know they're already there. They wouldn't be crying out for hope if they didn't understand and they didn't weren't aware that they don't have any hope. And again, this little tour that I just went and did, I, I maybe naively went out thinking that this is just going to be a, a super fun time and maybe go make a couple bucks and try to provide for my family and go play some backyard shows. And it was probably three weeks of the biggest personal revival that I've ever had in my life because I spent hours alone in a car digging, allowing the Lord to just reveal areas of my life where I have not given over to him still. Mm. And, and that can be a scary place, but even in doing so, I've just seen that all the people who have come to these little backyard gatherings, playing in people's homes, everybody is kind of sensing the same thing. Like, God, you're doing something. You're waking me up. I saw the same thread everywhere we went is that people are waking up. It is literally time to wake up and rise up and not just wake up and rise up for the sake, for the sake of sounding cool, but like to actually give our lives and our focus to the things of God. It's time. Preach. Ryan, thank you so much. What, what was only three weeks on the road for you is turning into 30 minutes of just pure <laughs> grace for us Man. and for our listeners. I'm sorry I got a little long-winded on all that. Are you that. kidding me? Thank you. This has been a real joy, a real joy. And obviously, Eye of the Storm is available everywhere books are sold. Real quickly, what's the latest sort of creative juice that's flowing right now? Is there new music underway? Is there another book in the horizon? What should we be anticipating as 2020 continues to unfold? You know, I've got nothing right now. <laughs> uh, I would say the tank is the fullest it's ever been, and I'm not focused on writing or any of that right now. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but it it's I feel so free in saying I've never rested like this in my life. Yeah. And it feels so good to, number one, just be resting. And I, I wanted to say this too. Sometimes for all of us listening, and I'm talking to myself too, there's a dream that God put in us, but it is illegal for that dream to come to pass, not from a place of rest. Mm. We have to be at rest for God to bring those dreams to fruition. And I feel like, and I'll just close with this. Sorry. (laughs) God is a bud nipper. I've, this is another thing that I've just gotten this last three weeks. He's a bud nipper. He's a gardener. The Bible calls him a gardener. He's a pruner. John 15, he's a vine in the branches. He prunes us. We can bear fruit when we're young. We can bear fruit. The, the first year of our roots going into the ground, we can bear fruit. But in his goodness, he comes and he pinches the buds. He prunes them and he clips them and he doesn't let them bear fruit because he knows that our roots are not strong enough to hold all that fruit. So in his goodness and his kindness, he comes and he pinches those buds and he says, not yet. So he lets our roots get really nice and strong so that when the next seasons, as we start bearing fruit, our infrastructure can handle that. And I want to just encourage myself and people listening, if you feel like you're being cut on, (laughs) you feel like you're being pruned, you feel like your buds are being pinched and nipped. 
delight in that, praise that, because it's it's a testimony that God is involved in the process of your life and bringing purpose and destiny into your life that you may not have been ready for when you first thought you were. Mm. But he's a dad mm. and he's, any good parent will know you're not going to give your kids something they're not ready for because yeah. it'll hurt them. Mm. That's who he is. Mm. And we can trust that. It's a prophetic word, especially in these times, Ryan. It's been an absolute privilege and joy. I look forward to uh, doing this again sometime. Everybody, Ryan Stevenson, yes, check him out on social media, obviously all over Spotify, Amazon with the new book, and I'm sure many other platforms. And maybe they can look out for opportunities to book you on another house concert tour at some sure point. thing. Hit us up. Thanks so much, Ryan. We'll do this again. Yeah. Peace. All right, now you know what I was talking about, everybody. Ryan Stevenson, gosh, what a soul, you know? There's no doubt in my mind that this guy's tapped in. To think of just the, the great foundation that we all need in God the Father and Abba's heart, right? Like, that's pretty deep and pretty interior, you know? but a truth that we can never stop contemplating, right? That even in the midst of a world that kind of feels like it's falling apart some days or all days, frankly, it's the love of God, the providence of God that keeps it all together and most importantly, keeps our soul intact and again, aligned, integrated with Him, with His will, with His love. Pretty cool and pretty epic and a wonderful reminder as we sit here, you know, in the beginning of September, the beginning of what will soon be the fall, of 2020, the craziest year that any of us ever lived through. Such a wonderful, wonderful gut check and uh, a call to examine ourselves. Where are we at this point? Are we allowing for that peace that surpasses all understanding to, to dwell deep inside our soul? And I can tell you, I saw that deep inside the soul of Ryan as this conversation unfolded. Such a joy, Guys, there's only good things coming. All right, next week, I'm sitting back down with Father Ryan Adorjan, regular contributor. And with that's gonna come a really exciting opportunity to get your hands on some things like coffee that we typically only make available to our patrons. Stay tuned, obviously for Father Ryan Adorjan, for some of those exciting opportunities to, to dig into some more Love Good content that you can't find anywhere else. And actually, we want you guys to be very aware that every week we are releasing premium content to our patrons. They get exclusive access to that. We send them hidden links every single week to full-length videos of the podcast. And even if you're not a patron, you can catch an excerpt of that video of the podcast on YouTube. And so if you're not yet subscribed, go to lovegoodculture.com, click on the YouTube link, or better yet, go to youtube.com slash lovegoodculture. Either way, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Help us really boost our subscription numbers and get more and more people engaged in these kind of conversations about the things that really do matter. Y'all are amazing. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time around.
Massive thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. If you like this week's episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, share it on social media, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then join us on the front lines of building a better culture by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Our patrons get all kinds of incredible exclusive content, such as a weekly long-form video of the podcast, a monthly live stream house concert with our artists, and a seasonal package that will raise your standard for music, books, and art forever. Thanks again for tuning in. It's an honor to accompany you as you change the world.